You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us. Sustained effort and violence, you play your ass off. You're watching the Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members as we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys. Here is a first down. Pirates. Welcome into the Pirate Preview here on the Sports Objective every Tuesday night. Paint it gold on Saturday night. As the Pirates look to get their first win of the season against Gardner-Webb at Dowdy-Ficklin Stadium, of course, on ESPN Plus at 6 p.m. Let's bring in now, ladies and gentlemen, all the way from Greene County, Kyle from LaGrange. What's going on, Dave? What, 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 it's painting gold night. What is Gardner-Webb's colors? I don't even know. Was it blue and red? Yeah. They're on the screen, red and black. Oh, right in front of my face. Okay. Right there it is. Um, yeah. yeah uh, okay, I was just making sure there was no gold. Um, uh, yeah, painted gold. Yeah, I may, maybe a lot of yellow raincoats out there. <clears throat> That's right, Bubba. You come in to sit in the rain. Oh, yeah, uh, I'll be there, rain or shine. Um, hopefully, we'll have good weather and uh, you know, it won't be like it became in that uh, second quarter against Marshall or, or late in the Appalachian game, but um, but yeah, I'll be there, rain or shine. Hopefully, um, the weather will cooperate because, you know, very smart scheduling uh, from the standpoint of family weekend. Um, you know, in the past, I think Mike Houston's first year, I want to say that William and Mary game was family weekend. We had 40 plus thousand. Yeah. Last year, I believe Campbell was family weekend. We had 40,000 or a little over 40,000. So hopefully that will hold true again. And, and pretty crazy to think that, uh, it's obviously in a great way that uh, we'll have more for Gardner Webb coming in with the zero and three record uh, um, for the Pirates as opposed to to the home opener being Marshall, what a little over thirty eight thousand, thirty eight thousand two hundred. Yeah, yeah. But if we have good weather, family weekends always seems to be a big deal here. But the the problem is if you've been watching the forecast, it's uh, got a got a tropical system kind of or a Tropical, not, not a hurricane or anything, but a tropical system moving up from the south. And uh, the heaviest rain is supposed to be along into the east of 17 and wind. But, you know, 17 is a little Washington. So it ain't very far from Greenville. So I, I it could be dicey Saturday night with the rain and wind. I'll be there. But uh, that may play to our advantage with, uh, with what uh, we do on offense versus what Gardner Webb does on offense. Well, that's something I was going to ask you earlier uh, this afternoon, Kyle, is that very thing, running a defense, that would definitely help us out, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. if, if we can get the run game going, yeah, you would think so. Um, you, you know, I, there, there's two schools to talk to that. Some, I've heard some, college, some coaches say that they believe, that, you know, in the rain that since the receivers know the routes, that you can actually, you know, Logan used to like to pass the ball in the rain. He used to go deep a lot in the rain. Uh, because the receivers know the routes and the DBs don't, and it's easier for the ball to get lost in the rain. But in terms of um, 
traditionally, yeah, you, you think defense and running is uh, what wins uh, nasty weather games. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, what Gardner Webb presents from a run defense standpoint and uh, and otherwise later on when we have a conversation with Phil Constantino. He is the play-by-play voice of Gardner Webb football on their ESPN Plus broadcast. And then uh, we also have eight or nine minutes with Trey Lamb, his weekly press conference with the Big South slash Ohio Valley Conference. Um, so so the, yeah, those two leagues merge this year? Correct, and we'll get his thoughts on the uh, on his team's one and two start. Uh, he really doesn't feel like even against App State, but especially these last two games um, that they have played particularly well. They beat Elon. Elon's a, a pretty solid FCS program, yep. but um, I think thirty four to twenty seven was the score, and he felt that they should have won a little more comfortably um, in Bowling Springs against the Phoenix. Yeah, and I watched the end of their game against Tennessee State. Tennessee State hit a, about a 50-yard field goal to take the lead late and to hang on to win that game by a point. And uh, Tennessee State's uh, – they've been on to pull off an upset or two uh, over the last few years. I remember um, – I think it was Vandy they upset a couple years ago. So, um, not, a, not a bad football team there. Uh, but Garter Webb, man, what, what I've pointed out – Bob, I don't know if you have the scores in front of you, but – you know, they what was the score against the app this year? I know my point is their their last four games against FBS opponents, they've been in all four of them. Yeah, correct. And um, their score against app this year, pretty sure it finished 45 24, but that's very deceptive. Um, as Mike Houston pointed out in his weekly yeah. press conference today, they were leading 24 21 with three or four minutes left to go in the third quarter. And then, um, and then App did what it needed to do there um, late in the third and throughout the fourth to uh, win by three touchdowns. But yeah, very misleading score there. Uh, a little bit like our game against Marshall from that standpoint. That uh, you know some App folks that I talked to saw thirty-one thirteen and thought Marshall would just control the game, which wasn't the case at all. Yeah, and last year they lost to Liberty. And you guys remember how good Liberty was, 21 Oh, yeah. <laughs> they lost to Coastal, who we obviously played in the bowl game. I believe that score, I remember from last year, was 27 to 23. And um, then they lost to Marshall last year, 28 to 7, which is also, you know, respectable as good as Marshall was last year. They were a nine win football team. And I think that was a 14 7 game there early in the fourth or, or something like, or perhaps late third. The Marshall put away, yeah. So yes. it'll it'll probably be a full quarter game Saturday. Uh, look, uh, I Odd Sharks, uh, Bubba found something tonight on the internet. Odd Sharks, their computer predicted score. Bubba, why don't you can you put that on the screen or can you just tell everybody what Odd Sharks has uh, predicted based on their computer? Gardner not Webb. a spread, right? Not a spread, uh, just their computerized projection, if you will. Uh, Gardner Webb thirty two point eight. Uh, East Carolina twenty four. Yeah, and if that happens, oh my good god, God, I, I, I don't. Let's I not don't, even go there. Yeah, yeah. Let's not. yeah let's please not. don't. We're, we're doing very well, and uh, we are. I'm talking about us. I'm oh, not talking okay. about the team. Uh, I think. Uh, I think for me, guys, I don't know about you, but I've been thinking about it a lot, and um, you know, every play in the playbook. I don't care if they know them or not. 
let's go ahead and put, throw it at Gardner Webb. Um, <laughs> they know. <I'm> not. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I'm just saying, make a play. I don't know. I'm just saying, go for broke, do something. Yeah, I would prefer we run plays we know. I'm, I'm, I'm being silly, but I'm just saying, like the, it's just frustrating with what my point is. To, they keep you doing gotta the be same thing over and over. Got to be established run against these guys. You got yeah. to. Got to. And if you can't, who boy? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't. I mean, I, you know, I'm not saying anything away from Gardner Webb. You know, they're a good football team. They made the FCS playoffs last year. Yep. We just gave their sports against FBS opponents. But you got to be able to establish a line of scrimmage against those guys. That yeah. would be and a really long day if you don't. Uh, you got you right, Kyle. And to that point, uh, let's take a look at what they've allowed on the ground against App State, Elon, and Tennessee State. Um, App State ran for 150 yards uh, uh, against um, Gardner-Webb and – Nate Noel, um, by comparison, he ran for, what, 190, 195 against the Pirates. Mm-hmm. Averaged, I want to say, is about eight, seven and a half, eight yards of carry at least. I think it was his best day ever as, a, as, a, as an Appalachian State Mountaineer. So, Nate Noel, um, by comparison, granted, first ball game of the season, but 24 rushes for 117 yards. So a good day, but um, definitely not the day that he had against us. And then uh, – and then you also had um, Mikael Haywood, who's the Navy transfer that we're familiar with from when he returned the kickoff for a touchdown against the Pirates a couple years ago in Annapolis. Uh, Haywood had 11 rushes, 446 yards. So, um, What did Elon and Tennessee State do against them running the ball? Uh, give me a moment. Uh, I'll, I'll have those numbers as well. Um, so Elon – Elon ran for 127. Okay. And Tennessee State, in that 27-25 loss to the Tigers, Tennessee State had 120 rushing yards. Okay, so they, they're susceptible to the run, but not they're not getting gas. Yeah, what, yeah so. And what, what are people passing against them for yardage-wise? So we just dig all deep into the stats, Bubba. So, so yeah, against the run, they're roughly giving up, you know, 130, 135 yards a game. Pirates, um, as you say, you know, we're, we have, if we want to be who who we plan on being, uh, I mean, you know, we got to, you know, run for right at a couple hundred yards in this game, 175, 200 yards, in, in my opinion. Um, this could be a game perhaps, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, see a breakout performance and not only – by Rajay, but uh, by um, Javius Bond, and and then get Marlon Gunn going. Marlon Gunn, um, yes, ha- has done very little to this point uh, through three games. That's probably one of the bigger surprises to me on uh, just how how little I think Marlon Gunn has rushed for what about thirty yards or something. Yeah, yeah, not much. Uh, nobody's ran for much. Um, Coach Houston indicated today in his press conference that we would see both quarterbacks Saturday. So uh, I wonder if there's a plan to utilize Mason in the run game this week. That would be my guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, isn't well, you Kyle? You had that great point about uh, Mason being a part of, like of Wildcat, especially yeah. like uh, goal line situations, different where you know different wrinkles that we can put any wrinkle that we can put in there instead of the blase blase. I think one of the uh, Facebook friends I had put the 1903 
offense of Mike Houston. They're like, wow. Well, I, I will say this about our offense. And, and part of it's creativity. Part of it, we're just not executing. Part of it is talent. And, and part of it is penalties. And, yes, we do need to be more creative offensively. But when you're getting penalized a lot, um, a lot of pre-step penalties, stuff like that, you don't want to overcomplicate things anymore. Um, uh, so, you know, everything kind of works together. Um, so I, I, I just think you got to be, I think you just got to be more creative when you call the plays, you know, there, there's, you're running on first down every time it seems like it, it, you know, it gets predictable. Coach Houston's frustration, um, obviously in the staff, it comes in with the pre-snap and post-snap penalties, you know, with, with the false starts and things of that nature. And then yeah, because also, they're not effort penalties. R- right. And uh, so that's what he was saying, that it was perhaps minimally better uh, on, on Saturday because out of our, I think, nine penalties, you had at least a couple that were intentional grounding and things of that nature where uh, – but, uh, but, yes, he said it, it's – this is very atypical and uh, something that they're hard at work to, to correct, um, especially those those selfish penalties. Um, and I won't call the the player out, um, but um, and there was not a there was not a flag thrown on this play because uh, officials apparently didn't get the best to look at it, and this player was able to hold back, but. Uh, Apparently, you know, something was going on there uh, with the PAT. I didn't get the best of look, but someone on the interior, uh, you know, nearly threw a punch. And uh, fortunately, he held back because I was like, I said, wow, they about got ejected. And um, the coach grabbed a hold of him uh, and pulled him to the side and lit into him pretty good coming off the field. Well, at least he held back. So that's good. Um, I, you know, we just, we, we just, we can't beat ourselves. We're not good enough to beat ourselves. Um, I don't mind a holding call every now and then. There's holding on every play, and, and a lot of times, to me, things like holding penalties are effort things, and and that just means you're trying hard. I remember a lot of rough and McNeil teams, despite the success, were highly penalized, and people used to complain about it, and I, it didn't bother me because I, they were effort penalties. So I, I, you know, you hate to see any penalties, but effort penalties you can deal with. What you can't deal with is stupid, unnecessary crap where it's a lack of focus or lack of, you know, can't control yourself. Right. So, some of which we saw in uh, 2015 in his final season, uh, which was where, you know, there was some definite frustration, but we'll uh, steer, steer clear of that. I, still- honestly, Bubba, if you go back, Ruffin McNeil's teams were like that almost every year. People just didn't care as much as we were winning. But a lot of them were, were effort penalties. I, you know, there wasn't a lot. I, I, there was more stupid penalties in 15. But I remember, man, one year, we I, it seemed like every damn time we snapped the ball, maybe it was 2012, we would have a holding call. But, you know, so what? We won eight games. Yeah. And um, obviously, the Dave, you're on mute. But then the, the offense that we ran at that time and the way we uh, – uh, sure, you, you didn't want to be in those situations, but uh, a little easier to to pick it up compared to a. You yep. don't have as much margin for error now. Correct, you cannot beat yourself. You, we, we're having a tough time 
you know, scoring when, when you know, when we're not penalizing ourselves. So. When, when you're uh, when you're scoring ten offensive points per game, and, and then uh, averaging about mm. two hundred sixty yards per game, and well, then you have ninety to hundred yards in penalties, it it's really a, a sore thumb. Yeah, that is unbelievable. And not to deviate too much, because we're talking about the Pirates, but just a number that boggled my mind. Um, and it's crazy that they still had a chance to win the football game and uh, really kind of uh, perhaps blew the game. Uh, some some folks said that. Um, I didn't get to see all of it because I was sawing logs. But that uh, Colorado Colorado State game, Colorado, uh, State, yeah. Colorado State nearly beat Colorado despite 17 penalties, and then eight or nine of those 17 penalties were personal fouls. Well, I mean, let me tell you something, Bubba. When when um when the wide receiver there from from Colorado got knocked out of the game, they started flagging Colorado State if they looked hard at the Colorado players. It 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 got out of hand. There there was right. it it was it was ridiculous. Yes, Colorado State blew that game. They they had that game won. And I can give Colorado credit, um, but they had that game won. They they were up by, God, I want to say 11 points with like six minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Right. So, uh, bringing things back to the Pirates, um, as far as Gardner-Webb's offense is concerned, Coach Houston really talked about the tempo, the way they spread you out um, very much. Um, I think Kyle may have already mentioned this, like, like UCF and now Tennessee under Josh Heupel um, with the the tempo, like I mentioned, but then also the way they spread you horizontally and get those receivers out near the sideline, make you de- defend 53 and a third. And um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, they Their quarterback, uh, he, he, I want to say, Matthew Caldwell is his name, 6'4", I want to say 215, 220 pounds. He's a transfer from Jacksonville State. This is his second year in the program there at Gardner-Webb. And they're throwing it 45 to 48 times a game. Um, I think I think 45 is the least number of pass attempts through three games. And uh, a lot of those are the underneath to intermediate variety. So we're really going to have to uh, tackle well in space. And something that was glaring – after completing roughly 65% of his attempts against App State and Elon, he was only 20 of 49 against Tennessee State. And I asked Phil Constantino if he could, who you'll hear from here in a little while, so we won't go too far into this, but Phil Constantino was telling me a little bit why that was, and Tennessee State got tremendous pressure. So keep an eye on that. Uh, let's let's hope that the veteran defensive line and very talented defensive line for the Pirates, especially against the run. Let's hope the the pass rush um, and Coach Harrell can dial up some things and we can get some heat on Caldwell. If we don't, it's going to be a long night. I, I do think, I do think, you know, safety, we can tackle pretty well, but. Yeah, we I'm really need to field. tackle well. You read my mind there. That's, That's something else I've seen, guys, and was going to ask you about is it seems like with the, the tackling, um, Miss tackles, but um, ultimately, though, the penalties I think if we can erase those penalties or a lot of them, um, that's going to be that's going to be great uh, for the for the team because they need to just like you said, Kyle, um, we got to play a clean game, um, 
I mean, I hate to say mistake free because I mean, it seems like you say that every time, but we've got to do that. If we don't, man, it's going to be, like you said, it's going to be a long night. And um, can you, (laughs) I tell you what, Bubba, I tell you one thing right now, if we lose on Saturday night, I don't even know if I want to listen to to Kyle in the fifth quarter. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. I don't even want to think about losing Saturday night. But Garner Webb is capable of beating us. I mean, yes. you don't think they are. No joke. No you're, joke. You're completely out of the loop, and you you need to go check some scores of what they've played against FBS opponents, as we mentioned earlier. Um, yeah. No, you, you don't even want to think about it. But man, it. it I, I we'll we'll talk about it if it happens. Let's let let's uh yeah. Let's uh let's say we're going we're going to take care of business Saturday night and. Uh, and, and and send the running bulldogs running back to Bowling Springs and quite you know quite frankly I hope we win it by you know twenty one but quite frankly I, if we if we win it by one I'll take it I just we just right get out of there yeah yeah that's that's the great uh, great thing Kyle is if we that's the thing is it sounds like coach speak but all we have on the clock right now is Gardner Webb and we got to. Start there, and then from there, if you win the Gardner Webb game, you can go on the road. You have a fifty-fifty game with Rice, and maybe you can find some way to win that. And all of a sudden, you're two and three. You know, um, this Houston team. East Kyle, you brought this up. What was it? Three years ago, uh, twenty-one, somewhere around there, about how we always seem to start off slow with Houston, and then you know, with the where the offense is not necessarily slow, but oh, I said it last year. Every yeah. every year, the offense has gotten better. As the years gone on, yeah, um, with the hiccup last year being the Houston game. Besides that, last year was also the case. Um, but this year's beyond slow. This year it's non-existent. I mean, we have the worst offense in all of FBS, literally. One hundred and thirty teams. Yeah, exactly. And we're one thirty <laughs> out of one thirty. So, that is yeah. that is that's that's depressing. That's um, well, that's I've Mo never, like I'm, stuff. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, no, in Mo, we can at least score points. We just couldn't stop any damn body. Um, we, we couldn't, you know, we, we literally, I mean, uh, we, we, I mean, uh, somebody would put, you know, 50 points on us at drop of a hat, but right. we could score Bubba, that, points. Hey, Bubba, put that up for Jr. Jr. Johnny Robertson's the best. Um, he always had, he and Bubba always, he says ECU opponents have gained 11 first downs due to pirate defensive penalties. 11 wow. first downs. That's amazing. Thank you, Johnny. You're the best, bro. No. Um, he's not only a great guy, great pirate, but he always contributes to our show, and it's greatly appreciated. Yeah, you can't do that against Garner Webb. Uh, no, you know, Saturday night, or we're gonna have problems. Yeah, just is it? I wanted to ask you guys this and forgot last night, so I'll go ahead and ask: Is it lack of like? I guess maybe the experience, but is it to the point of bubble? I mean, uh, Kyle, when you were talking about effort. Is it trying too hard that you're trying so hard to win that you do the penalties? I mean, I know some well, of the it depends on, the pen- know- depends on what the penalty is. I mean, when I say an effort penalty, I mean like holding is effort. I mean that that means right. you're trying trying to make something happen. Right. So, an, you know, so so a defensive hold, you know, it, sometimes the penalties are good. Look, sometimes it's better to get a 15 yard penalty than give up a 30 yard pass. Right. So sometimes on defense penalties can be good. But um, a lot of the penalties on defense, some of them been out there for the penalties. Some of them been personal fouls. Um, you know, you know, face masking. You could argue face mask is an effort penalty. Uh, I doubt very often you intentionally grab a face mask. But um, you know, when I say effort penalties, yes, yeah, some some of it can be trying too hard. Yeah, because you're trying to make a play. 
Right. That's what, those aren't the penalties that concern me. It's the it's the other crap that concerns me. Like the false starts, the late false hits. starts, the late hits, um, that kind of stuff. Pace pi P, well, pi when it's not needed. Um, to me, you know, that, that's not effort. That's stupid. Right. A lot of times, and a lot of times, the quarterback is not going to make the throw. You know, like, and you just build you build them out, like Johnny said, yep. with eleven first downs. Um, due to defensive penalties, um, that's just, um, you know, that you think about that and we're only the thing that's, uh, you say 11 first downs, but that's in three, think about it. That's in three games. And these games that we have, except for Michigan are 50, 50 games where we have a shot to win. We have no shot to win. If we keep having all these penalties, it keeps the defense on, uh, for example, those 11 first downs. You're keeping the defense on the field more, and you have the offense that can't stay on the field. Yeah, the, the biggest, the, the three glaring things, obviously, that we got to fix are the penalties. We got to get better quarterback play, and we, you know, we got that. We, the offensive line has got to be able to block the quarterback, and we got to be established to run. I see some talent on the offensive line. They're just not playing together as a unit yet. Bubba, do you think we got enough talent on this offensive line that they can come together before the season's over? Hopefully sooner than later, and, and be a decent O line. Or do you don't think the talent's there? I, I look, we look talented on the O line. Based on what I know, I'm you know not seeing them every day in practice. Just having seen them in games and what I've read and seen on film from prior to arriving at East Carolina, I mean I think so. Uh, but yeah, it's certainly very very frustrating. Uh, that, I think it shows you a couple things. One, what we lost, but then also. You know how much of an an eraser Keaton Mitchell could be, where you didn't have to to you know cre- uh, create as much movement and uh, or get as much movement and create it as um, big of a running lane. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you. Um, there's to me, there's two theories when you have a, an O line that's struggling to run the ball. You can have a big bruiser that can go make yardage on his own. Or do do you want a speed back that you don't have to hold the block long so you can get through that hole fast and go? Um, I, I'm I'm kind of like you. I think um, if if you if you got a guy who can get, you, you don't have to hold your block as long, you can get through that get through that you know initial get through that initial hole and and, and go. Uh, you would think Bond or Gun could do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when are we gonna see Green? Hey, Bond, if Bond, you know. Or, or if, if Rajay's had his moments, you know, Bond is young. He's going to get there. Gun, you know, if we haven't – has Green had a carry yet? I don't believe so. Uh, he, he had those two receptions late in the game at Michigan for 15 or 20 yards, I want to say. But um, I talked about my surprise that Marlon Gunn only has, you know, 25, 30 yards rushing or whatever it is through three games. I would have – if you'd have told me that Gerald Green would not have a carry – in the first three games, so I'd have probably lost a lot, a lot of money there as well. No, it doesn't. That kind of stuff doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, I, I, I guess unless, there, uh, unless there's something we don't know, yeah, uh, exactly, what's going on behind the scenes that warrants him not playing. I mean, I mean, obviously with with the way we've uh, struggled on offense, uh, find a spark. Yeah, it's yeah. And you um, mentioned something. I, I want to see us throw into the running backs more. You, you, you yes. talked about throwing it to Green. I, I think that's a position. I know Rajay can catch the ball. I know Marlin can catch the ball. I think I think we've seen Bonds can catch the ball, and we know Green can. Utilize the running backs more in the passing game. But let, let's get some 
Yeah, yeah. I, let, let's throw some screens to the running backs. I love to. Hey, Amen. I love really seeing that defense. Well, especially when, especially when you think about it, uh, Kyle. You, that's your room in the running back room. We are loaded at running backs. Loaded. Uh, nobody can convince me otherwise. Oh no, yeah, well, we're, we're. I think we're. Um, we do have talent at running back. I agree with you, Dave. Um, so utilize them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I hate to put Bond in the slot and get him out in space and throw the ball to him. Hey, uh, exactly, Kyle. It's uh, it's a situation where we do have. I I know Andrew. I know what Andrew was saying last night, but I do believe that we're having. I do believe we have playmakers, but I think that we also have to make. We also have to get them the ball, and uh, and, and create uh, create situations where it's not the same. You know, look each and every week, and I think when you look at when you're talking about Bond, well, when you're talking yeah. about Gun, all of them. We we have playmakers at receiver. Um, I, I mean, excuse me, at running back. Um, at receiver, I have a thing more what Andrew was alluding to. Um, you know, Jalen Johnson has shown he can make some plays. Um, besides that, I, Hatfield is as fast as as it gets, but he just can't catch the damn ball. Um, yeah. he, if he could learn to catch the ball, he'd be a hell of a wide receiver. Um, and, and then you, you know, um. Chase Sowell, 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 the, the kid from um, Oak, Colorado. Uh, he looks like he could be something. He um, he made some really nice contested th- catches against uh, Appalachian State the other yeah. day. I think uh, I think he's got a bright future here. I got an interesting stat that uh, that Stephen Igo brought up on his show uh, on uh, today. Um, he brought up a fact that for the last three classes we've had under Houston for wide receivers. The only one we have left uh, on scholarship is Brock Spalding. Yeah, and that is something that I had noticed for a while is that we have not done a good job recruiting receivers. So I that's something I have mentioned. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember it, but I've mentioned it over the years that I didn't think we had done a good job recruiting receivers, and it's been a concern to me. And um, and it's rearing its head this year um, along with – I think, you know, that's also affecting the quarterback play. You know, I, I think if you had – C.J. Johnson and um, Tyler Snead and Winstead and and uh, you know Prol and if you had all those guys, uh, you probably make the quarterback's job a lot easier. Yeah, and also, guys, we we we've got to get the ball to Shane Calhoun. Yeah, about a good good call, Dave. Good call. Uh, Shane Shane catches anything you throw at him. We just yeah. don't ever throw anything to him. No, that's a frustration for me as. Uh, that position was never utilized. We talked about it numerous times under Mo, and now we have a situation where we have a guy that's a tight end that can block and he can catch, and he's a mismatch. He's such a mismatch, but um, that's and one you thing. You would think against, against an FCS opponent, he could really create some mismatches if we get True. the ball to him. Yeah, he had three catches for 28 yards against App State. Um, we got it go. to him um, – Got it to him on a slant route one time and lined him up to the left and threw him threw him a slant route, looked good catching and running. Okay. And then another time, I'm, I want to say it's perhaps off of play action. Uh, we got it to him on app sideline um, there in the first half. But, um, yeah, we got to find a way to get Shane some more touches. And then, yeah, Jari Patterson, he stepped up. Um, he's another one that he, he's got – he's a freshman, right? Patterson, zero. Yeah, and Jari, Jari is uh, he? He's been in the program. Yeah, he's he's a Marshall transfer. Yeah, zero, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Jari Patterson. Yeah, he, he's, uh, he's the one I really that like him. He was rewarded as uh, awarded a scholarship um, during fall camp. That's right. I did hear that on the and on Pirate. Jalen Johnson uh, had three for forty-one. Had the had the big catch early in the game where. Um, Great job by Alex uh, getting rid of the ball and hitting him on, I think it's a deep out route or perhaps a corner route. Yeah. And um, what did Sorrel do? Sorrel, Sorrel, so How do you say yeah. his name? When I looked it up on the on the Colorado website when we when we landed him, it said so well. So well. So, well. I, I, okay. uh, so uh, Chase so well, or um, as the coaches are saying, it's soul. So. I'll I'll seek confirmation there on which it is. <laughs> well, the coaches, Raji, Raji, yeah. What uh, what was his yardage? I know he, I know he had a couple four, of four for twenty six. Yeah, and, but a couple of those catches were contested balls. Yeah, I remember he caught one they reviewed, and Jessica said it hit the ground. And I said no, he had it on his leg the whole time, and and and, and it stayed a catch. So. But going back to Marlon Gunn and Chuck Sia. Says um, what happened to Gun? Uh, to my knowledge, uh, I don't think he's been battling any type of nagging injury or anything. Uh, but he, he's had 12 carries for 50 yards. So when, when he's carried it, um, not bad, but um, not what we would have expected to see, or at least what I would have expected to see through three games. If you come in 12 carries for 50 yards, that sounds me. He needs to get lathered up. Um, yeah, he can get he's... him the ball more. What about? Um... What about the very um, – I lost my train of thought. Go ahead, guys. Sorry, it'll come back to me in a second. Okay. Um, but, yeah, he's got to get the ball more. Uh, he's one of many guys got to get the ball more. I mean, we oh. got to get the ball to the guys with hands who can make plays. And Marlon Gunn is definitely has the ability to be a playmaker. I know what we, I was going to – We appreciate um, Zach Coble chiming in saying, uh, hasn't the Marshall transfer also had several key drops? I mean, yep. it, yeah, uh, a, lot of, a lot of guys – it had had drops, uh, but um, that's kind of what I was alluding to. Um, you know, without mentioning those drops, I was just talking about Jari stepped up and had a much better game on Saturday against App State, and that, and that was a great sign. Hopefully that will continue against Gardner-Webb. Yeah. I know what I was going to ask you guys. Uh, Coach Houston, help me out if, if I missed it, if it doesn't seem – if it's happened, maybe not a lot. But you guys remember when he talked about the we we'd have a, a two backs in the backfield, a two back set? Has that happened? Yeah. I haven't. Yeah, we've I haven't done seen it. it. We've done it, just not a lot. Okay, yeah, we did it. Great. We did it some against Marshall because I was surprised. I started elbowing my dad. I said, "Hey, look, we got two backs in the backfield here." I missed right. that, but I was wondering about that because we, with the talent we have at running backs, and we can get more guys on the field, and then they have to guess which you know, not necessarily. A wishbone or anything like that were the option, but just trying to do something. Let's do something different. If what we're doing is not working. Something else, another question I wanted to reference on Johnny Gardner a few minutes ago to gold hats this weekend. Uh, hey, one of those uh, guys get off the have a sibling, uh, sibling fight here, but uh, gold, gold hats this weekend. And uh, according to what I'm hearing, that will not happen. Uh, gold helmets, at least not. I, that was something I go I go said way back in the summer that we were going to have gold helmets. Yeah. What happened? And who knows? We we may you but you would think if we're going to break them out that uh, it, it would be, be for the gold out. Yeah. And, and we and we may just based on what I'm hearing uh, that's not going to be the case. Who is your source, Bob? <laughs> 
You gonna let him out, Bubba? You gonna let your swords out in the equipment room? Okay, Bubba. Yeah, Bubba, Bubba Bubba's being the mic until the fight's over. Yeah, and uh, or either he's just ignoring my question, one or the other. Maybe that. How about this? Here's a step for you while Bubba's uh, the Pirates only have three plays of 15 yards or longer in the second half of games. Their opponents have 15. The Pirates have three touchdowns with an average length of 4.33 yards, and their opponents have 14 touchdowns with an average of 24.93, almost 25 yards. Uh, Johnny, you're the best, man, I tell you. Yeah, we not took. the kind of stat, but <laughs> not the kind of stat we want to see, Johnny. But, um, but that kind of tells the story, doesn't it? Yeah, we lack big playability um, to this point, uh, and with when you're lacking big playability, obviously that means that you have to run more plays and uh, right and have longer drives to score. And uh, with that being the case, uh, it requires a lot of you know, consistency and precision with execution. And needless to say, uh, that's been anything but what we've been through three games. We've been highly penalized and lacking consistency. Uh, and that's why you haven't seen those nine plays, 75 yards, nine plays, 77 yards, like we did twice in the first half against App. So uh, hopefully that will we'll take that to another level. Obviously, 14 offensive points has been uh, the most that we've scored yeah. thus far. And um, mm-hmm. we're going to have to double that on Saturday, I think, in, in order to win or at least at least close to doubling. I'd like to double it and then go ahead and keep up with that uh, couple of uh, defensive scores a game. And, uh, oh, man, that was dro- – I dropped and drop, uh, drop 42 on them. Yeah. I really thought when it got – going back to that game on Saturday night, when I saw the pick six – and that scoop and score, yeah. I really thought we were going to win that game. I said, wow, this is, like, so awesome. And that's – how do you – this is uh, – I wish like, I could say the same. Oh, you didn't think we were going to – No, not I, at all. I, I thought we, it was – I was fired up um, and glad that it happened, obviously. Um, but at the same time, I just – I had zero confidence um, because of how poor uh, we were executing offensively. Um, yeah. I thought App was going to do exactly what they did and uh, grind us into the ground with their run game. But if we'd have been up twenty-one ten at halftime, if we hadn't goofed up, yeah, that's an excellent point. Yeah, that's something I was going to bring up last night, and I, you know, I had to step away for a minute. That was a talk about a momentum swing. Yeah, we went went from twenty-one ten with just over two minutes left to go in the half, and then less than a minute later, because of a big kickoff return, a penalty. And then a couple of big runs is twenty one sixteen at halftime. Yeah, if it's twenty one ten, they may start pressing. Yeah, let's say let's say everything else plays out the same way. Let's so say they come out and score, and then they make it twenty one uh, sixteen at that point. And then let's say the turnover happens, you know, and, and then we go back up by um, by two scores. Yeah. Again. I mean, you know, it's you never know what what, what would have happened had we went up twenty one ten at, at halftime. I, that was a a a bad bad time to let that happen. I, it was just mm-hmm. hard. swing. By the way, bro, Matt Semenza says, "What about the Kansas transfer, Keelan Robinson? What's up, bro? Has He's he played? Hard Has Keelan played, Bubba? I believe so. I'm not 
not 100% to be honest. Uh, I want to, for some reason, I was wanting to say that he maybe played up at Michigan, but I, I'll go back and look at uh, Hoist of Colors and the snap snap counts that Stephen Igo post. Okay. Yep. And look, uh, here's another great one. Uh, what Johnny said, JR says, I posted those stats so that we can look back in a few months and appreciate how far that we've come. And that's the one thing you don't, the disappointing thing for fans, and I know they have every right to, we're all upset. But when I go back to Morgan Ehlers, he said we're going to have growing pains and we will get better. You know, the question is, when will we start getting better? I know that, but. Better be this weekend. Yeah, Saturday is a great start. You know, and it, Bubba, don't you, do you think if you get a a nice. Look, if we came up with the growing pains, we might be saying who's the boss. Waka waka. <laughs> and and Bubba's gonna be head of the class. I saw that. Um uh, we can start doing ABC uh, sitcom. Uh, we'll along. take it, we'll take it step by step. Okay. Oh <laughs> uh, man, yeah. So I may have to start watching classic reruns instead of the ball games, but I hope that doesn't come to yeah, I, I well, think you, we're you know you do what you need to do, it takes different strokes. Oh, yeah. And you know I tonight, keep them coming all night, Dave. I can hey, just keep them coming all night. I'll just there's three of us, so we can have three's company. So, well, you know, shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he got me. Um, <laughs> uh, but was like, um, <laughs> um, yeah. What's the so you get a nice win against? Uh, oh well, how about this one? Jessica helped me out. Well, we three's company. Well, at least we're not perfect strangers. That's right, and hopefully we never become like the sequel. Three's a crowd. Um, there was a sequel to there, there was a spinoff of Three's Company. Yeah, it lasted like one season. That's I why did you not don't know, know that. that. I did not know that. <laughs> it was not good. That's why you don't know anything about it. I used that was one of my all time favorite shows. In fact, uh, tonight today is like the anniversary of the last episode um, in 1984. All right, but. quick quick trivia before we move on with the Gardner Web Talk and get on to the interviews that, that okay. Bubba did earlier. Uh, what television series was John Ritter a regular on before Three's Company? The Waltons. You got it. There you go. Very good. You know, you and I loved, I told you, that was like when I was a really small child, that show was right up there with oh, uh, my favorite show still. Happy Days and Dukes of Hazard, Incredible yeah, Hulk. Yeah, I love it. Uh, you yeah, probably want to. Most people would not guess that about me that The Waltons is one of my favorite shows of all time. It's a great show. Yeah. Bubba, the. Uh, yeah, as, as far as Keelan Robinson and Matt's question, perhaps. Bubba's like, okay, back on track. <laughs> no, I just. I was trying to see if I could it was find good stall counts from that game. He perhaps has played on special teams or something. I'm not sure, but uh, he, needless to say, he has not recorded a catch. Well, who knows? But you know, Coach Houston did allude to back in the back in the fall, back in the fall, back in the summer, that you know some of our transfers maybe you know weren't used to the work ethic that we required. And I'm not implying that it was him, but you have to wonder. I hadn't heard really good things about him. Of course, he was he the one that got mono. You're right, Kyle. He did. Yeah. You're right. So that may have a lot to do with it, right there. So yeah, he was performing very well. Did he do well in spring ball? Yeah. Well, he was looking good during summer workouts. Um, okay. I, I don't think he was here for the spring. Um, 
Cause yeah. During uh, during the summer workouts and then perhaps early in camp, uh, the I heard a lot of good things about yeah, it. Yeah, he had mono. That's pro- mono can put you on your ass for several months for some people. So, yeah, every person just like anything else with health, uh, everything, every one is like different with that. But what do you? Uh, so, guys, uh, are we going to do our predictions now, or are we going to wait the Thursday? Uh yeah, I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll go ahead and get mine now. Um, okay. Uh, I think we have to win. I think we'll find a way to win. Um, I I, uh, I don't think it'll be pretty. Uh, I'm, I don't I'm care. Gonna say, I'm gonna, <laughs> I don't say, care about a pretty win. I just want to win. I'm gonna say the Pirates win it 31-21. I had okay. So I had. I'm going. Put it away, late. All right, I'll say I was going something like 35-27, something like that. It's it's going to be a little more than – it's going to be around a touchdown for the Pirates is what I'm my gut feeling. I just – I hope it's more than that, but that's my uh, – hey, we'll take it. I don't care. Hey, as much, as much as I want to win by more than eight, if we score 35 offensive points and uh, – Hey, I'll I'll take that because I know we can play good defense and uh, yeah, it's a little bit different challenge uh, from a defensive standpoint. So yeah, if we can put up thirty five offensive points, uh, that would be very encouraging. Hopefully, it would be more like thirty five seventeen, but um, that would be awesome. I'll, hey, I'll, I'd rather have that score any day, Bubba. I just feel like it's going to be uh clo- too close uh hey 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 kyle here's another one for you too close for comfort <laughs> another sitcom for you i'll go um let's see i'll say east carolina 30 and Gardner Webb, twenty, okay. and I, I really had thirty-one twenty-one kind of in my head, or thirty-one twenty, but just to be different from Kyle, I'll say thirty twenty. Hey, just like you said, I'll, I'll take thirty points, right? I'll I'll say we score uh, three offensive touchdowns and three field goals. And I can up, I can give, see give that. Give up two touchdowns and two field goals. Yeah, I I definitely can see that, Bubba. Um, <clears throat> it's going to be, it's going to be fascinating guys. Uh, I know that we have, uh, a lot of great programming coming up. We'll talk about that, but first I know Bubba, you had a chance earlier this afternoon to sit down with a play-by-play voice of the running Bulldogs. I did. Um, we'll actually hold that, um, uh, another few minutes, um, about 10 minutes to be exact. Um, first we're going to go to Trey Lamb, the head coach of Gardner Webb. Uh, he was with, the OVC, the Ohio Valley Conference slash Big South Conference weekly uh, Zoom press conference today. And uh, let's hear right now from uh, Gardner-Webb's excellent head coach, Trey Lamb. Gardner-Webb head coach, Trey Lamb, uh, running Bulldogs, uh, played their first association conference game this past week, came up just short 27-25 at Tennessee State. They'll go on the road. They got their second FBS opponent of this season, East Carolina, this weekend. So, Coach, just some thoughts on your team, and then we'll go to some questions. 
Yeah, give Coach George and Tennessee State a lot of credit. I think they've gotten a lot better. Um, they played really well Saturday night in a lot of phases, particularly defensively. I thought they did a really good job of being patient, not giving up the big play against us. Um, credit to them for finishing the game. Credit to their kicker. Um, made two 50-yard field goals in the last six minutes of the game. Just a, a brutal way to lose. Um, I think the lesson for us is – uh, we, we've got to find a way to, to to separate. I've said that for two weeks now. We we beat Elon last week in a game I thought we should have won by more. And then last week, I thought we let Tennessee State hang around and didn't get it done. But they deserve all the credit. Um, they were able to finish the game. It was a hard-fought battle. It was competitive. Uh, I think Coach has done a really good job of, of building that roster, playing with discipline, not beating themselves. Their quarterback came in and played well for them. Um, so tough loss, you know, we got a lot of lessons to learn. We, our special teams right now are absolutely gutting us. Um, offensively, we punted 10 times. I don't think I've ever had that happen in my career. Um, as a play caller, we, we had over 400 yards of offense, um, and scored 25 points. So, uh, that's clearly not enough. We got to finish drives in the red zone. We missed two chip shot field goals. Um, a lot of self-inflicted wounds. We're just not playing our best football um, as a team and our defense was awesome they were lights out they played way too many snaps uh, they forced 11 punts I think they defended 17 or 18 drives in the game which is ridiculous we've got to be able to stay on the field offensively on third down we got to be better on second down um, and we we had too many self-inflicted wounds in the special teams game we snapped one over the punter's head uh, gave them a free score um, we didn't recover a kick after a safety just a comedy of errors on my part. I got to get that cleaned up as the head coach. Um, obviously, not pleased with the result, but we've got uh, we've got a special opportunity this week, our last FBS game of the season, and uh, we got a chance to go up upset East Carolina, who's zero and three right now. But um, Coach Houston's done an outstanding job there. I think he's developed that roster. They're having a little bit of quarterback issues, in my opinion, uh, but they're still really good on defense. They play extremely hard. You can tell how well coached they are. I got a ton of respect for Mike Houston and the way he runs a tough, hard-nosed program. Perfect. Thanks, Coach. If you have a question, you know, for Coach, let me know down in the chat, and I'll call on you. But we'll start with Jacob first. Go ahead, Jacob. Hey, Coach. Uh, it's been a while since this team's lost a regular season game. How, what's the mood been like after that loss? What was your message to them, and how's practice been since then? You know, it it – it's it's terrible for 24 hours. You know, we a six o'clock kick in Nashville. We got home at 7 a.m. when the sun was coming up, Eastern time. Uh, brutal bu bus ride home um, after losing on a last second 50 yard field goal. Uh, just you you start questioning yourself. You question your calls. You question the, all the what ifs that can go on in the game. But at the end of the day, um, we we have to get over it. And we had a great practice last night. A very enthused practice. I was proud of the way our kids responded. Uh, we understand last year, guys, we, we lost to Elon in a very similar game in week three. And then the next week, we got beat 45 to 14 by Mercer. And we go on to win seven of our last eight games uh, to have a great season. So the message to the team last night was that's a that's a speed bump. We must learn from it. Um, you either win or you learn. And um, we were in great spirits last night. Our coaching staff got to work uh, Sunday morning right when we got back and uh, we've had a good two days of preparation, and, and we'll be ready to play this week. I can promise you that. Coach, uh, do you have any kind of injury update on Justin Franklin when he might be available? And if so, 
what does he bring to the team that will not be able to stretch the defense out a little bit? Yeah, we're certainly beat up uh, there. Justin's not going to be available this week. Um, yeah, that that's hurting us. You know, a, a freshman all-conference receiver hadn't played in really two seasons now, just dealing with the ankle injury. It was a, a bad one, um, and he's just not back to where he can help us yet. And then, you know, we're banged up in the tight end room. Um, but it's, we, you know, it's football, man. It's Injuries happen, and it's my job to get – get the best personnel on the field and put them the best chances to, to win on plays and, and, and move the ball and, and stop them on the other side. Um, so that's, that's coaching. That, that's, that's what I get paid to do. And, and we'll get that done. Even though East Carolina's 0-3, they're still on the FBS level. What kind of effort is it going to take? What do you need to do to pull off an upset Saturday? Yeah, you know, it, it's a hostile environment. Um, they have great fans. They've got a, a great stadium. I've actually never been to a game there, so I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, they 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 do a really good job defensively of um, really harassing you and making you uncomfortable. They they don't uh, they blitz a lot. They they they're coming from all over. They don't they're not very consistent in the fronts that they play. It's a very hard week to prepare for uh, defensively, and then offensively they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball down the field. They're gonna put you in some conflict uh, with their skill, and we know how good the skill can be at the FBS level. They're big up front. Um, Garcia can run. He's a problem with his feet. Um, I think, you know, they're, they're having some quarterback competition right now, which, you know, surely they'll get that figured out this week. And uh, we're just going to have to go play well. we got to play our game and, and worry about us. we gotta, we got to get better. Uh, we've yet to play a complete game as a team. We're not playing very good complimentary football. You know, it's one week the defense will get a stop and our turnover, our safety, and then we don't go score, you know. And then – it's the opposite. We'll go score two touchdowns and then we'll give up a, a two minute drill before the half or end of the game that, that, that we just give them an easy touchdown. Um, so we're not playing very good complimentary football. Our special teams are not very good right now. Uh, our specialists are not playing very well. Uh, we're going to have to get that fixed uh, if we're going to win another a conference championship or we're going to make the playoffs. And, and um, we got to get that fixed this week. We got to be better at specialists. We got to be better at quarterback. Uh, we got to be patient offensively. We got to take those four and five yard gains if they're going to give them to us. Um, and defensively, we just got to keep doing what we're doing. I'm very proud of the way we're playing on defense, which we got 10 starters back. Like we knew we were going to be strong on that side of the ball. Uh, but they've even gone above and beyond. And I think our defensive staff is doing a great job of getting those guys uh, schemed up each week. And um, offensively, we got to help those guys and, and not put them in bad spots. So I think the key this week is going to be taking the football away, like always, uh, valuing the football. Uh, we got to hit on some shots and trick plays. Um, we got to play better in the special teams game, and and I think we'll be in it. I really do. All right, thanks, coach. That's all from me. Ben Biles has questions. Let me know down in chat, coach. You talked about you know you did get some offense. Uh, Nari had he averaged eight point nine yards per carry on seventeen carries. Can you talk about that and getting the run game going there a little bit? Yeah, you know, the stats are a little skewed because we snapped one over the punter's head for a sixty-two yard loss that goes against the offense. So. Um, you know, we had over 400 yards offense. It wasn't like we weren't moving the ball. We were stalling out. When we got to the red zone, we missed two chip shots. We turned it over on downs. Um, we score the first drive, four plays. We get a turnover three plays later, and we go four and out in plus territory. Um, the issue, we were we rushed for 180 yards. Um, we, we were fine. I mean, we played okay offensively. We just stalled out, and we didn't finish drives, and we had zero turnovers. So, um, it's, it's, 
it's frustrating. It's one of those weird games. You, you they don't happen very often. Um, I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but uh, very, you know, Nari played a great game. I think he ran for one, caught one, and and averaged nine yards a carry. He's a special player. I mean, tells me we need to get in the ball more. But uh, yeah, we we played fine. We just we didn't finish drives, and we didn't. We were awful on third down. We were awful in the red zone, and those critical areas will get you beat. And it did. It got us beat. Last chance. Anybody questions for Coach Lamb? All right, Coach. Thanks for your time this morning. Best of luck Saturday. We'll talk to you again next week. All right. Thanks, guys. There you have the thoughts of Trey Lamb, um, Gardner Webb's very talented and um, you know highly thought of head coach, and um, he'll he'll bring a solid football team to Greenville on Saturday. And and now uh, let, let's go ahead. We'll go immediately into that conversation that I had with Phil Constantino, um, the ESPN Plus play-by-play voice for the Gardner Webb running Bulldogs. And let's go to that now. Some, some technical difficulties yeah. there. Uh, we'll, we'll see. It was working fine uh, when I tested it before the show. Uh, if you want to carry on for a moment, Dave, and I'll see if, okay. I, can figure, see if I can figure it out. Hey, Kyle, I don't know if you saw or not. If you're, uh, I take you still with us, but uh, Morgan, um, let's see, Morgan. Oh my gosh, Holt Nailers uh, got worked out today by uh, Green Bay. So good luck to to Holt Nailers, and uh, hopefully he can land a spot. Love to see him on the. <laughs> oh, and I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at Matt. Uh, Matt said that Walton's was horrible, Kyle. Did you see that? I don't know if Kyle is still with us or not, but um, come on, Matt. Come on, bro. We're going to try that again with Phil Constantino, the play-by-play voice of Gardner-Webb, and I guess... Uh, We'll try to see if we can get that going. Or Bubba, do you want to release that as a separate interview? Uh, I think we'll be okay. Just carry on for a moment. Okay. Well, uh, by the way, folks, we want to remind you about season tickets. Uh, well, actually, tickets to this game, uh, 1-800-DIAL-ECU or ecupirates.com. Talked to Coleman Spain last week. And like Bubba said at the beginning of the show, if you're just joining us, uh, looks like we're going to have about 40,000, but we'd love to see some more folks there. And um, don't forget, like we always talk about, you can give your tickets away or you can sell them on SeatGeek. Um, we'd love to have people there in the stands for sure and get people to come to the games. Um, we need this one really bad on Saturday at 6 o'clock. And on the screen, if you're watching, of course, it, it shows it up there at Dowdy Ficklin on ESPN+. And we'll see that game. Also, lots of great programming here on the Sports Objective, our great network of shows and appreciate Bubba 
behind the scenes, thank you, sir, very much for all that you do and a lot of uh, great content that you can go back on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel and you can also like our Facebook page as well. Uh, Bubba, do you need some more time here? <laughs> uh, we're right at an hour, but want to remind fans also, uh, don't forget about the Pirate Playback, and that'll be on Sunday nights at 8 o'clock. So hopefully on Sunday night we can cheer and talk about a great win. Dave, you've never been short on words? Come on. No. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm kidding, but uh, I'm going to try this a different way. If not, we'll release this separately if, we, if we're unsuccessful. All right. Well, I know you've worked hard on this, so, uh, you know, technology is great when it works. It has nothing to do with Bubba. He does a great job. Um, so we're going to try that again to see if we can get that interview uh, Bubba did earlier with Phil Constantino, the play-by-play voice of Gardner Webb, the running Bulldogs. Yeah, we'll we'll release it separately. Okay. Uh, right. in- By the yeah. way, before we get out of here, the folks are still joining us. Uh, if you can put in the chat, I just want to see uh, Bubba. Uh, maybe we can do a poll on Twitter on X. But I just want to see the fan base with you guys, and maybe we can put it out as a poll. How many of you think the Pirates are going to win on Saturday night? I'm I'm just curious. I'm not trying to start anything. I'm just curious to see where the mood of the fan base is. Um, I think we win, like I said, um, but uh, all of us here think we're going to win. But out of curiosity, how many of you think we're going to win? How many you think we're going to lose? No judgment, just curious. And then we'll get out of here for, we'll give you a couple minutes to put those up. And um, Johnny Robertson, JR, says 100%. Uh, I love his optimism. And uh, I know that we've had a tough three weeks. Uh, Brandon says 27-24 Pirates. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate you very much. Uh, I think Matt, and Matt's still join, uh, there with us. Uh, Justin Butt said, I'll take a win on Saturday no matter the score. Absolutely. I think we're going to win it uh, for sure. Matt, do you think uh, Matt Semenza calling some uh, Matty Ice, do you think we're going to win on Saturday? So we'll see that uh, real quick. If you guys will put that up and uh, in a couple minutes, we'll wrap it up. I was just curious, Bubba. I know that uh, the Pirates people, like I said, we're all like, you know, losing a game, music, uh, a lot of stuff that normally I'm just so excited about. It's just like, wow. In fact, we had a uh, Bubba on Saturday, you know, that we had the, um, I'll tell you this story, (laughs) uh, Hank Williams Jr. tribute, all my rowdy friends. And uh, they sing, there's a tear in my beer. (laughs) And I said, that's exactly for me on the Pirates because we lost the game. Zach Coble says, 21-7 Pirates. Thank you, Zach, very much. Appreciate you joining uh, the show. And uh, I really feel like we're going to win the game. I do. I you know, I think it's going to be a close game, but I don't care. I just want to win. And um, that's all that matters right now is to win. What, and Bubba? If, uh, we limit have- the, if we limit that offense um, with the way they yeah. uh, you know, fast-paced – style um that we have not seen uh, to amount to anything to this point uh i know we, we've seen some up tempo at times but um you know just the way they like to play and the way they go about it um if, mm-hmm. if we limit them to seven points and that will be pretty impressive and you, you look they scored 24 against 
app, and then they put 34, I believe it was, on Elon, 34 to 27. And then you had um, 25, um, despite you know some missed opportunities against Tennessee State. So, hope, yeah. Hope, and then um, conversely, uh, you look at App. Um, they they had scored um, 45 against Gardner Webb, and then Elon scored 27. Out, and I don't know how this played out, and that that. that those points may not have all come offensively. It may have been a situation like on Saturday where the Pirates had 28, but 14 came from the defense. But uh, I do know that uh, they have um, they have one defensive end that's a standout, a uh, little bit undersized perhaps, mm-hmm. but, you know, 6'3", 230 pounds, and very highly thought of um, by NFL scouts. And uh, you'll hear from him in that conversation with Phil Constantino that you can check out on our YouTube channel as well as uh, Facebook. Yeah, we're gonna, it's going to be uh, really interesting to see. And I'm kind of glad that normally, I don't know about you, Bubba, but normally I want to you know, watch a football game in a few days. <laughs> but I'm so glad they have the extra time. And, you know, I – Hey, have a good week at practice. You got that uh, that crowd rocking on Saturday night. Um, anything's possible. I'm not going to give up on my Pirates. Grimesland Bigfoot says the Pirates will stomp the running Bulldogs from at least with from at least uh, by at least 15. I should say. I hope. Uh, and by the way, I'm back. Um, I uh. You there, Kyle? Yeah. All right, we lost you. Can you hear me? Yeah, now we got you. Okay, we the the, the Phil Constantino interview came up on the screen, so I, w- I was wondering if I was in lag mode. But uh, yeah, you, the Grimes and Bigfoot. I hope you're right, but I'll take a three point win. <laughs> what if we, we, we get a one point win. win? Yeah, exactly. Um, that would be fantastic. We'll see how it goes and uh, see how it plays out for sure. All right, so we're ready to go to the interview now. Uh, for some reason, it's you guys see what I'm seeing that I, I'm pressing play on the screen there and adjusting the volume. For some reason, I don't, I don't understand why, but because I, I tried it pre-show and everything, you know, exact layout that we have currently on the screen and everything was working just fine. So, well, thanks. The happen. beauty of technology, baby. The yeah. beauty of technology. No, no doubt. Well, what we'll do is uh, we're going to release it as an individual well, interview. He's going to try again and see if we can get it oh, up. Okay. And, then, and then if it doesn't work, then we'll just release it after the podcast on its own. That sounds good. Kyle, uh, as far as the crowd, we're hearing 40,000. Uh, any hope to have more than that? Or you think we're going to be lucky? I think it'll be less because the weather. Um, if, yeah, the, the weather. If, if we get a break on the, on the wind and the rain, then if we get 40,000, that's tremendous. And hopefully that'll, you know, the team will play well with that kind of crowd after an 0-3 start. Um, you know, uh, if we get wind and rain uh, as forecast, I'm expecting 20-some thousand. Um, mm. But hopefully hopefully the weather holds out. Man. Yeah, as you guys know, just um, like back in that 2019 game against Gardner Webb, the only other time these two programs have met, a 48 to nine pirate win uh, two programs that were in much different uh, states at that time. 
you had um, East Carolina roll up 574 yards of offense, 365 on the ground, and I think there was 34,188 at that game. Um, yeah, but you know how Pirate Nation, uh, does, despite you know some of our smaller crowds at times can be our loudest crowds because those individuals really want to be there. Um, so um, in, in the elements – so hopefully that will be the case if it is a you know a twenty five to thirty thousand crowd because of the weather. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, I um I just hope there's no lightning. I swear to God, uh, if yeah. we have a friggin' lightning delay. <laughs> no. Um. Hey, by the way, Kyle, before we go, you missed it earlier. You weren't there. Matt Semenza says the Waltons was horrible. Kyle. Really, Matt. Go back and watch the Waltons. It is really for, good. The first four seasons. Uh, don't, don't forget the later seasons. The later seasons weren't. And good. right now on the Pirate Preview, very excited to be rejoined oh, we we by the play-by-play voice on Gardner Webb's ESPN Plus broadcast and an administrator there at Gardner Webb University, Phil Constantino. Phil, welcome back. Bubba, good to be with you. Thanks for having me. No doubt uh, we had you back on uh, or had you on back in the summer as we previewed the running Bulldogs uh, off to a one and two start, but played App State very competitively as we thought they probably would. And uh, you know, led that game late in the third quarter before App State was able to pull away in the fourth. And then uh, you picked up a very nice home win against the Elon Phoenix uh, before losing a heartbreaker last time out against Tennessee State, uh, following on, what, a 50-yard field goal as time expired, 27-25. to 25. So tell us about the, the season to date for the running Bulldogs. Yeah, if I'm being honest, going all the way back to the first week, three games in, I think everyone in that locker room, including head coach Trey Lamb, uh, would tell you that they're disappointed in how they've played. Um, and I think even had they beaten Tennessee State, um, and somehow that 50-yard field goal doesn't go in, that they probably equally would have told you they're disappointed in how they played. So let's start game one against Appalachian State. Uh, lead late in the third quarter, multiple leads in the third quarter, it gets away from you. But FBS game, you don't expect to win. You know, you're a multiple touchdown underdog. Um, Trey Lamb told the media after the game, you know, this is the traditional script in the FBS-FCS games. You either get blown out early or you're in it and you kind of fade a little bit late just because they have more depth um, you know, our top end players might be good enough to compete with them. And that day they certainly were, but as the game wears on and rotations on the defensive line and linebacker positions occur, especially with the amount of offensive snaps that we play and how long the defense is out there, you get worn down. Um, and that happened. But I also think what disappointed them most against App State was um, just some mental gaffes, um, late penalties, untimely missed assignments, um, and a game that they feel like they could have won. Um, some people in that room probably think they should have won, certainly had the top-end talent to compete and win. Um, they didn't win. And it's funny because it was the best result that day. Uh, it was all FBS games for the Big South OVC conference that day. And Gardner-Webb by, by far uh, the best result that day uh, back on September 2nd at App State. And yet everyone in that locker room was disappointed, including the head coach. Uh, I think that shows you the championship mindset of the program. I think it shows you just how far this program has come uh, in four years under Trey Lamb. So that was game one. You don't expect to win. You'd like to win. They think they could have, maybe even should have won. That, that's how well they played for the first uh, nearly three full quarters. 
Um, you get to the Elon game, you come out firing, you're playing well, and then you're up two touchdowns with six minutes left. And then all of a sudden, you uh, untimely fumble by a really good tight end. And next thing you know, it's a tie game, and you need a game-winning drive to go win it with 14 seconds left. So you eke out a victory. Yes, it's a marquee signature win. Maybe the best non-conference FCS win as far as a playoff resume in Trey Lamb's four years. They beat Elon by a touchdown. They were a playoff team last year. They could be a playoff team again this year. But you kind of slid by. Uh, and then last week, everyone in the locker room will tell you that was an uncharacteristic clunker. Um, I've done a few of these interviews today, and I keep going through the plays in my head of last week versus Tennessee State. Um, I'll try and keep it as succinct for you, uh, for you as I can, Bubba. But I'm talking about an all-conference snapper snapping a football uh, well over the punter's head that leads to a seven-yard field and a touchdown for Tennessee State. Uh, after a safety for Gardner-Webb, a kickoff that the running Bulldogs let bounce like a punt. And I don't know if they didn't know the rules. I don't know if they weren't thinking. Uh, they don't touch it. Tennessee State pounces on it. Tennessee State gets a free possession. Um, things like that. Just mental errors that were uncharacteristic of the championship mindset and where this program has been and what this program has become accustomed to. Um, so win or lose that game, even if that 50-yard field goal misses at the end, they win that thing 25-24 and I don't think they come away happy, even if they're two and one. Um, so I, I would I would tell you that with where they expect to be, and everyone in that locker room, including the head coach, would tell you this: with where they expect to be at the end of the year, with where this program was last year, with who they had coming back, and we talked about all that depth they had coming back uh, back in the summer. I would tell you they're a little bit disappointed. Um, about a one and two start. Well, certainly disappointed about a one and two start, but at least a little bit disappointed about how they've gotten to that. So, yeah, based on uh, what what you did a season ago and uh, the expectations coming into this season and uh, the way you described the mindset, you know, back in the summer uh, going into the App State game and the season as a whole, uh, that that does not surprise me uh, at all. And um, you know, at quarterback. Uh, you have Matthew Caldwell. He's an Alabama native from the, the town of Auburn. Uh, he's a transfer from Jacksonville State, was in the program a season ago. Through two weeks, uh, two games, he had completed 65 66% of his passes against Tennessee State. Um, and the running Bulldogs threw it uh, right at 50 times in that game, completed just 20. Was that a little, little bit of a situation? Was that a lot of man coverage from Tennessee State? I'll tell you what, I think that I think that some people are maybe underestimating. Some people in Gardner Web circles are underestimating Tennessee State. Yes, they haven't been that good. Eddie George is in year three. He's got that thing starting to turn. They're receiving votes in the coaches' poll after that win. There was not a second to throw the football, and there was barely an open receiver all day. Um, I don't blame Matthew Caldwell one bit for that loss. I actually think you're coming off of a season in which you're trying to replace a two-year starter, Bailey Fisher, at quarterback, who had been in college for five years, uh, who had been with Trey Lamb even prior to his time at Gardner-Webb uh, when the both of them were at Tennessee Tech. Bailey was the conference's uh, player of the year last year in the Big South. That's not easy to replace. Um, you and I both know that you need a quarterback to win. And in at our level, in our league, you need a quarterback that can run to win, uh, traditionally. And... Uh, it's hard without a running quarterback in, in, the, in the style of the Big South to win. 
Matthew Caldwell can run. He's not a running quarterback first, but it was a big question mark trying to replace Bailey Fisher. And I can't blame that loss on Caldwell because he had pressure in his face nonstop. Uh, And I counted, uh, watching the game, I counted six dropped passes. There may have been more. Maybe some of them were good defensive plays that looked like drops, but let's say six is the number. Um, That's a team that's not helping out Matthew Caldwell. Um, After the Appalachian State game in front of 36,000 people, hostile environment, one of the biggest games that Gardner-Webb's going to play all year, uh, one of two FBS games on the schedule, uh, Caldwell played pretty well that game. And Trey Lamb stood in the locker room, and when he went through the positives and the negatives of the game, he told his team that Caldwell has played incredibly well. We have a we have a talented quarterback room. We have multiple guys that can do it. He came in here today, first time as a full-fledged starter in his career, and he proved it in front of 36,000 fans. And if you – you know, everyone in that room knew, if you have a quarterback, it's not the end-all, be-all. I think sometimes in fan circles we overhype the importance of the quarterback. But you, you know that you can really take off when you have a good quarterback. So Matthew Caldwell, um, big six-foot-four guy, good-looking kid, big arm, fits the prototype. Uh, Jacksonville State transfer. He transferred out when Rich Rod uh, and his staff came in, and it was a little bit of a different system. Second year now at Gardner-Webb. He did play in some spot minutes here and there last year, showed some flashes, won the four-way job in the offseason, and he has been – I genuinely believe one of the bright spots, um, you know, despite numbers that may not look great from last game, ultimately you look at it, the offense put up 400 yards and he was running the show. Uh, they just couldn't push the ball in the end zone. Couldn't push it in the end zone one bit. Um, a lot of red zone stall outs. So I don't think Matthew Caldwell is all the problem. And I think overwhelmingly the feeling around the program is Matthew Caldwell is going to be fine and, and the team's going to be fine as long as he keeps doing what he's doing. Before we dive deeper into the personnel and talk about this offense that Trey Lamb and company employ, uh, Coach Houston, you know, really emphasized the tempo both last night on his uh, weekly radio show, um, Inside ECU Athletics, and then also today at his, um, you know, weekly press conference, he was just saying that uh, they snap it fast about every 10 seconds and obviously throwing it, what, 47, 48 times a game. I would correct Coach Houston, and I would tell him if they're snapping it every 10 seconds, that means they're going a little slower than normal. <laughs> um, and, and that uh, may have uh, – I, I was paraphrasing there. He, he, he may have said um, at the slowest 10 seconds, but uh, he just said – he said it's extremely fast. It's very similar to what uh, Josh Heupel does at Tennessee and uh, previously UCF. So let me let you into a conversation I had with, uh, with Coach Lamb uh, a couple of weeks ago. This was before the Elon game um, at, at home. And um, Elon has always been traditionally kind of a, a bigger ground and pound FCS program. Um, up front, they look like FBS bodies when, when, they come, when they come off the bus and out onto the field. And I look, I had a sense, you know, I, Trey and I know each other pretty well by now. And um, you know, I'm sitting there, I got my game chart in front of me and I'm making notes and, and I look at him, I go, how fast do you want to play this week? And he said, faster than fast. And I said, well, you know, what's, what's the snap count? Because he, he would always say to me, yeah, we'd love to get 90 snaps a game. Um, he goes, if I could push to 95, I would. So then he started digging deep into his archives. And I asked him, what's the most snaps you've ever had in a game um, as a play caller? You know, it was his time as the offensive coordinator at previous schools and at Gardner-Webb. And he looked through his archives and he came up with the number 108. 
108 um, snaps in a game. I forgot what game it was. I was looking at social media yesterday, and um, they were talking about uh, someone playing all 54 snaps in a game. And I'm thinking all 50, that's half. That's literally half, half of 108. Uh, so um, with the new clock rules, I don't know that he's going to get to 108. Uh, it's probably going to be more like, uh, I mean, officials say that it's about eight snaps per game less with the new clock rules. So if he can get to 100 in some games, he's very happy. Uh, but it's all about maximizing snaps and maximizing opportunities. It's, he's a very uh, forward, modern thinker, uh, air raid, spread it out uh, type of thinker. And, and he really is. He, he's a brilliant head coach. He's a brilliant offensive mind. Um, but he's, he's also a brilliant head coach in how he manages those guys and how he manages the team. And that's why the program is where it is. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, um, but through three games, you know, how many plays have they run in those in those first three games against App State, Elon, and Tennessee State? Oh, you are putting me on the spot. I don't have that. I don't think I have that written anywhere. Uh, I do know that um, I remember going through. Okay, I know the Elon game was 91 because we did a uh, we did a coach's clicker segment uh, after uh, the, with the touchdown, the game winning touchdown was the 91st snap of the game. So gotcha. um, that so he, he's in that in that range still, even with um, even with uh, the new clock rules. I, I vividly specifically remember um, I could probably go look it up on my computer here now, but I specifically remember 91 snaps uh, was the, the 91st snap of the game was the game winning touchdown with 14 seconds left versus Elon. Yeah, I was- the primary reason I was um, curious about that is with, with those new clock rules, I was just curious uh, how, through three games, you know, if, if they're running 80, 85 or what, or uh, how many. But um, you, you referenced uh, your tight end, 6'4", I believe, 220 pounds. Tell us how Coach Lamb in, in this offense likes to utilize him. Is, is he more uh, – is, is he attached uh, or is he um, – you know, they flex him out both or how's, how's Jonathan Burns utilized? Yeah. Um, he is, he's the best receiving tight end. It's interesting. He's the best receiving tight end. Uh, I think that they've had in, in Trey Lamb's four years. Uh, one of the things that he had actually said to me after last season was that we need to improve in the tight end, uh, in the tight end department and Burns kind of came on late last year. And I know that they were looking to recruit some, uh, but he made such an improvement and he's played so well um, that they love having him. Um, he is their uh, go-to two-point option. Um, he is uh, a go-to uh, red zone target. I-, I would even say even when they're on the fringe of the red zone and plus territory, he's kind of a go-to reliable target. He's much more of a, I believe, of a pass catcher than a run blocker, but he mostly plays attached. So he could do a little bit of both. Um uh, he didn't play the second half of last week. He had uh, kind of dinged up his ankle a little bit. Uh, don't know. I don't yet know what the uh, the full prognosis is um, going forward with him. I think they're hoping to have him back for this week um, and 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 be able to play going forward because he's such a key piece to what they do. Um, but it was a noticeable omission on the two point play. They had a two point play um, after scoring the last touchdown. Um, to take the lead against Tennessee State. They're up 25-24. And obviously that two-point play would have been 
would have saved them and would have sent the game to overtime, uh, even if Tennessee State goes down and kicks the 50-yarder like they did uh, in the final seconds of the game. And um, it was a tight end throwback play. And I actually remember thinking before the play, uh, Burns isn't playing the second half. If he's not in, it's going to hurt them. Um, and he wasn't in, and ultimately it was an incompletion. And, and, and I kind of, this is just me. I, I don't, I haven't talked to the coaches and, and about the coaches tape aspect of them. If that play would have worked, if Burns is in the game. Um, but I just, I get the sense the result may have been a little bit different if Burns is in the game. He, he's that kind of a reliable, steady hand, um, runs good routes, uh, and is a really good pass catcher. So they, they would like to utilize him as long as he's healthy. Um, we'll see how much of a go he gives it, uh, but ideally they would like to utilize him a lot. In addition to Burns, tell us about some of the skill talent that Matthew Caldwell has mm -hmm. to distribute the ball to, um, Kareem Page at wide out, and then also at running back, it's been um, Gaither and Brown. Yeah, uh, wide receivers, Kareem Page and Brennan McGuire. Uh, McGuire, who just joined the program this year, have, have really stood out. Um, Outside of that, I think they're still trying to find some of the wide receiver depth. That was a position that was really deep for them last year. Uh, Trell Haywood graduated. T.J. Luther graduated and is now playing a, on an NFL practice squad and was, you know, both were all conference players. So, so that was one of the question marks going back to our talk in the summer. And, and I think they have some parts there, but they're, they're not fully yet um, clicking. But, but those two, Kareem Page and Brennan McGuire, and I would venture to say that potentially the two best offensive players that they have, period, are the two running backs. Um, Nari Gaither got off to a little bit of a slow start, um, but you see the numbers, 150 yards rushing, a couple of big gashes. In the state. He gets his legs under him. He gets rolling. Fifth-year senior, former All-American. Um, you know, he's fine. You don't worry about Nari Gaither. Um, Jaden Brown, who burst on the scene at times last year as a freshman, they expect him to make a big jump this year. He actually um, had three total touchdowns and was the Big South OVC Offensive Player of the Week back in week one against Appalachian State. Um, he's a big-time player. Uh, both Gaither and Brown, uh, big-time players in the passing game as well. Uh, they'll split him out wide. They'll hit him on swing routes out of the backfield. Uh, the offense this year to fit Caldwell has been a lot of dink and dunk, you know, use the short passing game, and that, that involves the tight ends and the running backs a lot. Um, You'll see this probably a little bit on Saturday. They've experimented with this at times. It's not traditional for Trey Lamb, but he has put it on tape this year. Um, two running backs, they'll, they'll, they'll go with it. They'll, they'll try it out. They'll see. Um, and um, that's his way of trying to get what probably right now are his two best offensive players on the field together. Um, and if you have them, you know, good coaches, they – they kind of adapt to what they have. And if this year that's what they have, uh, you have to use it. And so um, those two, those two guys, Jaden Brown and Nari Gaither, if they can find a rhythm with the, uh, the 20 personnel, I guess, um, then they'll be, they'll be fine. You referenced in the Tennessee State game, uh, Matthew Caldwell didn't have time to throw at times. So uh, what can you tell us about that offensive line? The offensive line, I think, is a little bit of a, a little bit of a work in progress. Um, it's anchored by Gabe Thompson at center. Um, just just a phenomenal kid. Uh, he's on the student athlete advisory committee, student government. Uh, one of those kids that's really involved in all things on campus. Just just a great human being. He's a fifth year guy, um, and 
he is he's the real veteran at center. Um, the other positions, I still think they're trying to work a little bit on uh, the right guard spot. They have a grad student, Kyle Schneider, there. Um, he, he's been hit or miss throughout throughout his career. Uh, I still think they're working. A, a, that's a little bit of a work in progress. I still think left tackle. Uh, Jaquan Adams has been starting at left tackle is a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, it's funny because we kind of felt the same way at this point last year. And, and this is traditional when you're an FCS program like Gardner, where you're going to play a lot of FBS games early. Um, and similarly last year, they played tough FCS games early. And the schedule's really hard. And at this point last year, there were a lot of question marks about the offensive line. Um, and then ultimately they rattled off an unbeaten conference slate. They went 5-0 and in the conference, and they won uh, the Big South. And I, I do wonder, maybe we're a little bit alarmed because it was a conference game versus Tennessee State in this new Big South OVC association this year that, that didn't go well on Saturday. But I do wonder if settling against like competition and that offensive line is going to be fine because um, we had very similar questions last year at this, at this current moment going into week four. And ultimately they were figured out enough uh, to win a conference championship and then win a game in the FCS playoffs. So, Shifting over to the defensive side, uh, tell us about the running Bulldogs there and uh, what we can expect to see. Obviously, East Carolina has really struggled offensively. The Pirates uh, have just scored three offensive touchdowns, and one of those is a three-yard drive after the defense forced a, a turnover um, deep in Marshall territory. Uh, so needless to say, it's been an immense struggle for the Pirates thus far, uh, right at or near the bottom nationally in most offensive categories. Uh, having scored just 10 points per game um, and it, when, when you take away those two defensive touchdowns against the Mountaineers. So I think at face value, the Gardner-Webb defense looks like it is struggling. 33 points per game allowed. That seems like a team that's struggling, right? Um, but if you asked Trey Lamb, he would tell you, well, we should be – easily scoring 40 points a game with the amount of snaps we play on offense, the offense stalling out in the red zone, the offense not completing drives, specialists making mistakes that flip the field. And he said such actually uh, at his, uh, at his video press conference this morning, those are the things that are hurting us. The defense, we talked about it back in the summer they, they returned starters basically at all, uh, all 11 positions. Um, really. I think it's like 16 players with, with regular starting position uh, experience that, that come back defensively so obviously covers pretty much all 11 positions all conference players at each level multiple all-americans so the defense i think at face value looks like it's struggled but if you really get deep in the weeds and watch the assignments and, and think about all of their big plays so far this year including that last game versus tennessee state three big plays opening sack by ty french ty anderson forcing a safety josiah Wright an interception in the final minutes that at the time seemed like it iced the game those were all defensive plays. Um, so the defense, again, I think some, some Gardner-Webb fans are questioning the defense a little bit, but, but the defense is fine. It starts and ends with Ty French. Um, he's a defensive end, 6'3", 230 out of Georgia. He's a senior. Um, he has chosen to stick his entire career at Gardner-Webb, um, even though I know some power fives were coming after him and he's going to have a pro future. There are NFL scouts on the sideline that practices all the time looking at him. 
I talk to them every once in a while, and they say Ty French is going to have a shot. Um, he's maybe a little bit undersized for the FBS level, but he uses his speed really well. At his best when he's a pass rusher, but they have experimented at times. They did this a little bit last year, and maybe have shown it a little more on tape this year with three down linemen and him kind of roaming around and doing everything from zone blitzes to different stunts, dropping him in pass coverage. Uh, he is a menace. Pretty much in all three games so far, he has been the best player on the field, and everybody knows it, even against the FBS competition. Nobody can block him. Um, to the point that I noticed this last game. So against Tennessee State, he opens first play of the game sack. Second play of the game tackle for loss. Third play of the game, you know, traditionally, and, I, and I've had coaches tell me this about Ty before too, traditionally offensive line is pointing out the Mike linebacker, right? And that's how they get settled. No, no, no. In this case, they're pointing out this roaming defensive end who doesn't always put his hand in the ground and sometimes plays like a linebacker, kind of a hybrid kind of player. Um, and they, they point to him, and they yell 47-47, and he stands there and waves back. <laughs> um, it's, uh, he is the guy that everyone is keying on. If you can stop Ty French from getting pressure in the passing game, from plugging holes in the running game, eating up linemen, then you can move the ball on Gardner-Webb defensively. Uh, the problem is most teams have have – really struggled over the last few years to do that. Taking a look at the kicking game, uh, did notice uh, your punter, I think on nine attempts, is averaging about 36, 36 and a half yards per punt. So uh, tell us about that and then also uh, the rest of the, the kicking and re return aspects. Yeah, so um, it, it, it's funny. I, I actually, me personally, uh, I think I sold, I told uh, one, one of the radio stations out your way this morning, I'm not worried about the kicking game. Uh, and then I went and watched back Trey Lamb's video press conference today, <laughs> and uh, he was not happy with the kicking game. Um, and I think he is a little worried. Uh, Jay Billingsley, the place kicker, uh, he, he's a known commodity. He was reliable last year. He's usually good uh, in the upper, upper, upper 40s. Once you start getting to 50 yards, depending on the wind, it might be out of his range a little bit. But he can put kickoffs in through the end zone, um, and he, uh, you know, when he when he's when he's taken, uh, he's automatic on PATs, and he's pretty reliable on field goals. Um, he missed two last game against Tennessee State. One of them came out low. I couldn't tell if it was blocked. Um, the other one hit the upright. He needs to convert that. That was just a miss. But he's four of six this year. He's a known commodity to Gardner Webb fans. He's been he's been rock solid for them before. I think he'll be fine. Uh, in the punting game, Austin Henley has been a little bit of a, a little bit of a question mark. He had a couple of shanks, really no other way to put it, against Appalachian State that really hurt uh, field position and ultimately let that game get away uh, back in week one. He's a solid player. He's been reliable before. He had, a, I thought, a much better game. He punted the ball a ton. I think he punted it 10 times against Tennessee State. But he had a much better game this past week, including late in the game, a booming punt that put Tennessee State back on its 10-yard line to start their final drive, and I thought was more than enough of a cushion for the defense uh, to hold Tennessee State out of field goal range and, and, and give Gardner Webb the win, and ultimately they couldn't. Um, so I actually think that these guys, they've been around, they're reliable. Henley's got to get some kinks out. Um, they've experimented with different kickoff guys. They've tried Ian Sauter, who's a former NAIA um, all-conference player. He was battling a little bit of a nagging injury, I think, and so he's had a few kickoffs out of bounds. 
My guess would be they'll probably go back to Billingsley to take kickoffs as well here in the near future, uh, just because he's been more consistent uh, with touchbacks. The kicking side of special teams, maybe Trey Lamb's trying to send a message to his players. Maybe he genuinely believes that they have some concern. I don't know. But I think the kicking game is going to be fine. Uh, In the return game, one thing they do have, a reliable hand in Malik Huggins as a punt returner. That has been something uh, that they have worried about muff punts in Trey Lamb's Lamb's time as head coach. And Malik Huggins is rock solid back there uh, and has been able to to flip the field a little bit. Uh, Kickoff returns will be likely some combination of Huggins, Jaden Brown, and Nari Gaither. Um, they haven't really had any explosive, explosive ones, but they've they've had a couple kick and punt returns that take off decent chunks that I think, you know, for, for smart fans realize they do more to flip the momentum of the game than, than the average person would realize. One final note before we let you go. Um, I know Nemo Squire, uh, East Carolina mm-hmm. transfer, is on that running Bulldogs roster, and I, I see that he has, what, a couple carries for – for maybe 10 or 15 yards thus far. So um, tell us where where Nemo's fitting in. Uh, could we potentially see him on Saturday? And uh, is he factoring in maybe in the return game anywhere? Yeah, he, he's kind of the third running back right now. He's got a couple of handoffs uh, or a couple of carries, I should say, if you uh, if you look at the stats. Um, he does have a fourth down conversion. They, they actually use him. They have this uh, um, kind of jumbo set. I guess it's becoming in vogue amongst these – offensive coordinators to add this uh, straight line T backfield. Um, and Nemo's one of the backs that they use in this setup. Um, and um, it's a short yardage package. It's one of the few times you'll see Matthew Caldwell take a snap under center. Uh, and that is when Nemo has been used. And uh, when he's been called upon, he did what he needed to do. But right now he's, uh, he's probably third in that room. And um, as far as regular offensive snaps, uh, you won't really see him um, – unless something goes wrong with Brown or with Gaither. And, and if something goes wrong with one, then the other is probably going to take the rest of the snaps. So Nemo's definitely the third option, but but he's in that package. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if you see him in a goal line situation or a fourth down situation again. Again, Phil, really appreciate the time as it will be a painted gold game for East Carolina hosting the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs, 6 o'clock kickoff on ESPN+. Plus. Saturday evening at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium before we let you run and tell folks how they can follow you on social media. I think you had it up on there. There it goes. At Phil yeah, there we go. There you go. Perfect timing. I don't know if you planned that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, the, uh, you know, all things Gardner-Webb as well at, at, at uh, GWUsports.com. Um, it's a program, you know, Bubba, I, I think they, uh, I'll say this in, in my final thought I think there's some good to come from finally from not playing well and losing instead of squeaking by. Um, I, I think there's some good to come from that. The overwhelming sense, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that ECU fans respect Gardner Webb and are a little bit nervous about this particular FCS opponent when they wouldn't be. Uh, and I think that the people around the Gardner Webb program appreciate the respect that uh, that comes with that that they've that they've uh, that performance has helped build up over the years. Uh, so I think we'll get a good game on Saturday. And um, I think there is some confidence there that, that, that Gardner-Webb could potentially pull off a big upset here. I'm not saying they're going to do it. I'm not saying they think they're definitely going to do it. But, but I think they have some belief that they could do it. So should be a good one. Absolutely. Uh, you, know, I'm, you know, I'm definitely of the mindset that, you know, going in, based on what I've seen of East Carolina thus far, I've attended all three games. Um, 
I think that this will be very, very similar to that uh, App State game, you know, where it's a competitive contest and, uh, you know, it's it's up to that uh, you know, late third, early fourth quarter to, to see who who is victorious. But uh, you're definitely right. The, the, this is one East Carolina entering conference play the following week at Rice um, after an 0-3 start uh, is in desperate need of. Uh, can can ill afford to <laughs> go to 0-4. But uh, re- re- really appreciate your time and uh, so much so much respect for coach lamb and that program and continued success um you know after we after we meet on saturday hopefully the bulldogs will make another uh run at a conference title and the fcs playoffs we appreciate it thank you bubba good to be with you again there you have phil constantino the Play-by-play voice on the ESPN Plus broadcast for the Gardner-Webb running Bulldogs. Appreciate his him spending a little over a half hour with us. Um, also, you had the thoughts of Trey Lamb, the um, you know, the very well-respected coach. Um, obviously, excellent bloodlines there. You know his, I believe it's his uncle um, Bobby Lamb, who had been such an excellent coach um, and still is. Uh, I, I believe, um, but um, Coach Lamb had been at Furman, also uh, Mercer, and uh, I want to say he he may be at Anderson uh, University now in the Upstate. But uh, you know Bobby Lamb, um, very very well respected, and uh, also um, I believe is Trey's father, who was a, a very successful and state championship winning coach down in the state of Georgia as Coach Houston referenced in his weekly press conference today. Speaking of Coach Houston's weekly press conference, go to our YouTube channel to see those comments in full, uh, 16 or 17 minutes worth. And then you also have comments from Jeremy Lewis, um, Pirate linebacker, uh, and then also um, Jalen Johnson, um, the Pirate wide receiver. Um, University of Georgia transfer who is now in his second season with the purple and gold but uh, for all my co-hosts here on the show um, Dave Richmond, Kyle Barber and Matt Semenza you've been watching listening to the Sports Objective be sure to follow us on social media on X at the Sports OBJ on Instagram at the Sports Objective you can also follow us at the Sports Objective on TikTok like and follow us on Facebook and like I mentioned subscribe to our YouTube channel. But until we talk to you um, later on this week and perhaps not until Sunday when we bring you the Pirate football playback after what will hopefully be the Pirates' first win of the 2023 campaign, I'm Bob Rosenbaum, and as always, go Pirates. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.